Hey there, everybody. It's Pastor Kevin here. Um, guess what? We made it. It's the last week of 2020. Can everyone just kind of wherever you are, just rejoice and rejoice that we got through this year. What a year this has been for so many of us. I mean, show of hands, if you're joining us on Sunday morning in the chat, maybe put a comment in the chat, just wherever you are, raise your hand good and high that you are ready for 2020 to be done, to be over with, and you are looking forward to 2021. (laughs) That's you. You share that in the chat. Put your hand up because... Whew, there are some days, and it's there have been a few more of them, <laughs> where it's like, can't wait for this 2020 year to be over with. If you're new with us today, my name's Kevin, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Greenbelt Church. Next week, we're starting a three-week series that, um, honestly, I haven't come up with a cool name for it yet. I'm leaning towards calling it the W5 Church. And you might be wondering what that means. Well, I want to talk about church. I want to talk about um, who is church for? What is the church? When did the church start and what is it supposed to accomplish? Where and why? I want to answer those five W questions about the church. Because I think it's so radically important, especially after the year that we've just gone through, to understand God's design and God's purpose for the church. Because let's be honest, we as human beings, we can make put our design and our plans on what we think the church is supposed to be. But ultimately, it's not about that. Because we here at Greenbelt want to be a church that's all about God's plans and God's design for the church. So we're going to do that for three weeks starting next week. And then after that series is done, I really, 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 really encourage you to get into a life group this year in 2021. I know I say this all the time, but I firmly believe that the best way to grow spiritually is to make meaningful relationships with other people, to be praying for one another, to study the scriptures together, to serve together, using your gifts and talents and abilities to be a blessing to other people. And we feel that the best way to do that in our church ministry is through life groups. And we're going to be going through a series for a few months going through the Gospel of Luke. And this will be a great series to help you grow in your faith, uh, to, to unpack the ministry of Jesus, what that means for your life, for our church. And maybe you're kind of checking us out and you'd say, well, I'm I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in God. You know what? It's totally cool and okay for you to be in a life group too. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to pounce on you. No one's going to like twist your arm and make you believe something you're not ready to believe. Because we believe the church should be the safest place to wrestle with these questions about God. And so you're totally invited to be a part of these groups as well. And more information is going to be coming out about that in the next few weeks. And so, but today what I want to do is just kind of a little bit of a standalone message this week, kind of wrapping up 2020. And how do you wrap up this year? I was reflecting on just all the things that kind of went on this year. 
It was really funny. I was actually going through my old sermon notes from the sermon series I did in January of 2020. We did kind of a three-week series called Vision 2020. I don't know if you remembered that one, if you were here at the time, and I talked about how we need to put on spiritual glasses and we need to be able to see what God is doing in the world to get on board with what God is doing. And I talked about some of the plans and some of the goals that we had as a church and where we saw you know, where we were thinking that we were seeing God move. Now, what's fascinating about all of this stuff is we had these plans and these guidelines and things that we put in place with no clue that March of 2020 was coming, (laughs) you know? And so, again, we give all praise and glory to God because we had actually made a number of decisions in January and February to really up our game when it comes to online ministry, to buy new cameras, to get a better sound equipment and recording equipment set up because we really felt that this platform of being online to connect with you at home is the best way right now to reach people who might have questions about God and are just not comfortable coming into a church building. So we thought this was going to be kind of an outside the church wall thing. And then when March happened, it seemed like the whole world went crazy and everything changed and everything had to be refigured out and readjusted. I remember, do you remember the toilet paper scare of 2020? It's funny, we don't talk about that anymore. It's like we've moved well past that. But man, remember those days, those early days? I remember, man, I think it was like the last week of March, the first week of April. We're working from home. The kids' schools have been shut down. And, you know, Danielle, you know, because we've got family members who live with us who've got health issues, so we really tried to minimize our contact. So I would go out into the wilderness to to hunt and gather food. I'd go to the grocery store, (laughs) and I'd be all covered up up. I'd have a scarf on. I'd have a hoodie on. I would wear my stormtrooper helmet from Star Wars over. And I'd go to the grocery store to make sure nothing was getting near me. And I remember trying to find toilet paper. And I remember bumping into one of my older, what, excuse me, I bumped into my son Cameron's friends, one of his oldest friends. They've known each other for 10 years and uh, they've grown up together. And I bumped into him and his older brother who managed to get their hands on the last container of toilet paper. And I'm like, hmm, pretty sure I could take them. <laughs> it was like, everyone was like scrambling for this, right? Do you remember the early days of 2020 when we're all trying to figure out this Zoom thing and trying to figure out how to do meetings and call our parents and get our parents hooked up on an iPad and all of that stuff that came with it? I still kind of chuckle, like we're 10 months into Zoom and I, at 90% of my meetings still start with these words. Can you hear me? because it's just the world we live in now. It's how we start our gatherings together on Zoom, right? Remember in the early days, all the constant changing guidelines and recommendations and laws. And then we used to have all these beautiful TV specials, you know, highlighting the frontline workers and all the celebrities were singing songs from their basement and then from their personal recording studio in their garage. And we're all singing Kumbaya together. And we're walking down the streets singing high school musical songs. Singing, we're all in this together. Like, it was just crazy. And then it went on, and it went on, and it went on, and it went on. And now, 10 months later, you kind of question, well, where's God in all of this? What, were, what was God doing? And, and, and we, as a church family, we've seen God do incredible things in an unprecedented season of ministry. We've seen 72 people on this Greenbelt online environment, put their faith in Jesus. 
to welcome Jesus into their life, both here in our English service and in our Arabic service that happens as well. We've seen six people through our English uh, as a second language Bible study program put their faith in Jesus. We've seen almost 150 adults get engaged into life group ministry. We've seen our youth ministry like explode in size online. And we have more kids coming to the youth nights than any other time since I've been here at this church. And what's amazing about that is 50% of the kids who attend our youth ministry don't, um, they're not part of families who attend church regularly. <laughs> and this is amazing things that God has been doing in 2020. And so what I want to do in our time together today is to look at a very famous person from the Bible, a man named Moses. Now, Moses has been a leadership mentor of mine for years. Um, one of the challenges that I find when we study the life of people uh, from the Bible, the danger is to study the Bible with through a lens of moralism, right? It's, well, look at how Moses behaved, so you better behave like Moses. Or look at how King David behaved, you better behave like King David. That's moralism. Okay, And that I never want us to take a posture of moralism. Like I, I want to behave like Moses. Now, what we do as followers of Jesus is we study the lives of these men and these women so that we can learn what did they believe? What did they believe about God? Right? What was it about their faith that caused them to live the way they're living? So when I study Moses from kind of a, a leadership perspective, I'm not trying to be a leader like Moses. I'm trying to be a man of faith like Moses in whatever I'm dealing with. Did Moses go through something similar? How did Moses approach God in this situation and learn that way? Because I think the challenge for a lot of Christians is this notion of not truly knowing what God wants to do in our lives. And, and we kind of just go through life. Right, we go through life as Christians. We go to church, we go to life group, we volunteer, we tithe, we go to work, we go to school. We just kind of go through the daily motions of faith. But when I study the Bible, when I read the Bible, you don't see men and women and boys and girls from the Bible just going through the motions. You see them trusting at a level that's mind-blowing. You see them stepping out in faith in ways that are mind-blowing. And you see them kind of trusting God's purposes and plans for their lives. One of my favorite verses comes from the book of Proverbs, and I talk about this one all the time. It says, where there is no vision, people perish. And I love how Eugene Peterson translated that, paraphrased it in his translation of the Message Bible. And he said, where, there, where people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And sometimes our faith journey can feel that way, that we're just stumbling. We're just going through the motions, that we, we just don't even know where to begin because we don't see what God is doing. And so that's why I want all of us together to look at the life of Moses here and ask ourselves, what might God want to do with me in 2021? Does God want to give me insight? Does God want to give me a vision for how I can be a part of his work in 2021? I mean, let's face it, in 
2020, January 2020, we had no clue what God was going to do this year. But we looked to God, we trusted God, we followed God, we tweaked, we pivoted, we brought other people to be engaged with this process, and God did amazing things. And I think what we learned in 2020 is going to be used and even multiplied in 2021. I firmly believe it. And I think all of us have a role to play in that together, but so many of us might not know where that begins. And so I want to first read, before I jump into the past, I want to look at, um, at a letter called Hebrews that talks about Moses. So the author of Hebrews writes this, excuse me, in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and 26, he says this, it says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as the greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. See, if you're not overly familiar with the story of Moses, Moses was born in a time when the people of Israel were slaves in the land of Egypt. And because the people of Israel were multiplying greatly, because they were fulfilling God's command to be fruitful and multiply, they were having lots of babies. And so Pharaoh was concerned that they had become so big in number that one day the people of Israel would join their enemies to try to overthrow Pharaoh. So Pharaoh had all the, all the baby boys boys that were born um, killed. And so Moses' mother hid baby Moses and put him in a kind of in a basket in a river. He floated away, was found by Pharaoh's daughter, and then Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and, and raised him. And so he was raised as a prince of Egypt. He would have learned all about the Egyptian gods. He would have received an Egyptian education, would have spoken their language. And what happened later on in life is that um, Moses saw an Egyptian uh, kill a Hebrew slave. And in his anger, Moses killed the Egyptian for doing that. And so Moses had to go into hiding. He disappeared for 40 years and lived out the wilderness. God called him through a burning bush to go back to Egypt to set the people free. Right? And Moses, we see that, you know, and again, this is what Hebrews is highlighting, is that he chose this life. You see, he chose to follow God. Right? It was because of his faith that did this. Because of his faith in God, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. He could have lived like a prince. He could have had everything the world had to offer. And instead, he chose the ways of God. He chose to live radically different. How does faith cause us to do that? That's what I want us to explore as we go now back and look at the early life of Moses. What is it about Moses' faith that allows him to trust God with that type of mission, with that type of purpose, knowing that he's going to be, uh, he's going to be mistreated, that he's not going to have the pleasures of the world, that he's going to be disgraced because of his faith and having his eyes set on this future reward. Right? What is it about his faith that causes us to do that? Because I think when God really steps into your life, when God really steps into the life of a church, he's going to create um, some tension. He's going to cause some things to stir up, things that we might have to deal with. You know, 
things in our relationships, reconciliation that should be happening, confession of sin that should be happening, emotional health that needs to happen. You know, all of these things, God stirs that stuff up and it's not easy. It can be hard work, <laughs> right? And it can make us feel ah, like, I don't want to do this. I just want to have like this simple little faith and go through the motions. But every single time, it's so worth it when we go with God on this kind of journey. So what does God want to do for you in 2021? How does God want to use you? in his mission in the church. Well, a couple of things that I want you to think about today as we ponder this together. And the first is this. I encourage you to write these things down and talk about them in your family, talk about them in your life group. The first thing is, if you want to kind of have a clear vision for for your life, uh, kind of what God is doing in your life, um, the first point is so simple. You need to start where you are. You need to start where you are. In Exodus chapter 3, when we read, uh, when God came to Moses, right, and this was when God appeared to Moses in that burning bush, he commissioned him to go to the land of Egypt, to go before the king of the world, to go before the man who has more power than anyone else in the world, the largest army, the greatest riches, and to go before this man and say, let the slaves go. Let my people go. And then this is what God, uh, Moses says to God in Exodus 3, verse 11. Moses says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Who am I to receive such an important mission? Who am I to receive such a big call? Who am I? And I love God's response in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. Um, God doesn't respond, hey, you know, I built you up for such a time as this. He doesn't get all theological. He doesn't say, hey, I knit you together in your mother's womb, and, da, 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 and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, all these great Bible verses. And God just gives him a very simple reminder. Who are you? I'm with you. <laughs> That's who you are. <laughs> who am I? And ultimately, it's not about who you are. But the fact that God is with you, that's God's response to Moses. I will be with you. I will be with you. I think when you and I begin to doubt ourselves, when we ask ourselves that question, who am I? I think that question takes us out of the game very quickly because we begin to doubt that God could ever use someone like me. We begin to doubt because of my past, because of my hangups, because of my insecurities, because of my mental health, because of my physical limitations, because of whatever, that God couldn't do something huge through me. When we start posing this, who am I? We doubt ourselves. <laughs> I remember when I was a brand new Christian, um, like within a year. I, I don't remember exactly how it popped into my head that Sunday morning. My wife, Danielle, and I, we were attending a church. Uh, Danielle wasn't a Christian at that time. Uh, our son, Cameron, was a newborn baby. Samantha wasn't born yet. We were at a church, and uh, that was the first time in my entire life that... Um, I learned that you can be a minister and be married. 
I know it's, for some people that's going to sound really weird. If you grew up in evangelical Protestant churches, we get married in the Protestant movement. I was raised French Canadian, Roman Catholic. Like I, I, only knew Catholic priests. I had no clue that a minister was allowed to be married. And so this guy's up front and he's unpacking the Bible. He's talking about his wife. He's talking about his kids. He's talking about all this stuff. And I just felt this wave of, I want to do that. (laughs) I I, want to be a minister. And, you know, and so I lean over to Danielle. I said, Danielle, this is what I want to do. And she's like, what? It's like, this minister guy, this is what I want to do. It's like, what? It's like, I want to be a minister. And then she leans over. She goes, you'd be amazing at that. You'd be so good at that. Um, but I'll leave you <laughs> if you do that. And then we ended up getting involved in a different church. Danielle and I got into a, a, a life group. Uh, we made some amazing friends there. And, and Danielle became a Christian through the Alpha Ministry. Samantha was born. It was just a great time. And we were in this life group together. And we're just seeing God move. And that desire to go into ministry just continued and continued and continued. And I shared this with the guys. We would break up kind of girls in one room, guys in another room to pray for one another. And I said, guys, I really think God wants me to go into ministry. And the comment that came instantly from some of the guys was, well, who do you think you are? It's like, what? It's like, you know, you weren't raised in a Christian home. You don't have a Bible degree. You don't have a, a, a master's of divinity. You know, you're, you're, you've only been a Christian for a couple of years. Who do you think you are? God would never call you into, to become a pastor. See, the question of who are you, who am I, can be such an incredibly mission, vision, killing question. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, it's not about who I am. It's not about who you are. It's about who God is. See, we need to start exactly where you are right now. If you want God to use you in 2021 to reach more people for Christ, to see more people grow in their faith, to see, to, to see your family members come to know Jesus, whatever that looks like in your life, that desire that God has put on your heart, it starts right where you are right now. Forget about the question of who am I. Instead, focus on who is God. See, when I started having those doubts of who am I, that God could never use me. I actually had a mentor of mine and we had breakfast together. And, and I was just, and he had, was asking me, how was this idea of going into ministry going and where did Danielle and I land with it? And I said, I think I'm going to, I'm going to shelf that. I'm not, I'm not going to pursue that. I'm actually applying for other computer jobs right now and try to find a job closer to home. And this mentor of mine said something that was so encouraging to me. He didn't say, well, who are you? Right? He said, Kevin, If God is with you, not even the devil can stop this. Kevin, if God is with you, not even the devil can stop this. What a radically different perspective. And that mindset starts right where you are. God told Moses, I will be with you. Jesus tells his followers that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations and be sure of this. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. God will be with you. 
if this vision and this mission is of God. It starts right where you are. If you feel unworthy because of past mistakes, if you feel like you can't serve because of decisions that you've made in the past, or you're worried about your finances, or just kind of worried about these relationships that you might have that aren't, haven't been worked out. You know, maybe you've dealt with, you know, you've experienced death or in your family, or divorce, or job loss, or all these things. You just, there's so much going on that you're not even sure kind of how 2021 is going to go. And trust that God is with you. That's where it starts. It doesn't start with who you are. It starts with who God is. So that's the first principle that I get from the, the life of Moses here. And the second thing, and again, encourage you to write these down. The first is, um, you know, the first is to start where you are. And the second is to use what you have. To use what you have. Again, Moses continues this conversation with God, right? And so God tells Moses, you don't need to worry about this. You don't, you don't have to worry about who am I because I'll be with you. I'm going to be the one to take care of this. So Moses answered, says, well, what if they do not believe me? Or what if they don't listen to me? And they say, the Lord didn't appear to you. Valid question, right? It's like, hey, well, I feel this is of God. God sent me to do this. And people look at him and say, no, God didn't tell you to do this. No, that's not. No, God didn't send you. Kind of like me when I felt this prompting to go into ministry. And the response is, God would never use you. Why would he use someone like you? He'd use someone who grew up in a Christian home. He'd use someone who, you know, went to youth camp. He'd, you know, someone who got an MDiv degree, all these different things, right? And so... All that doubt kicks in. So that's so Moses still go, but what if they don't believe me? What do I do then? And then in verse two of Exodus chapter four says, then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? Strange question. <laughs> What's in your hand, Moses? And Moses replies, a staff. And then God goes on to tell him that when the people doubt, you're going to lay the staff down and the staff is going to turn into a snake. And then you're going to pick the snake up and the staff is going to turn back into so the snake's going to turn back into a staff. And then he kind of says, the other thing you're going to do is you're going to take your hand, you're going to put it in your cloak, you're going to take your hand out, you're going to have leprosy. Then you're going to take your hand, put it back in your cloak, take it out, and the leprosy is going to be gone. Right? This visible sign that God is with you. But it's don't worry about what you don't have. Start accomplishing God's vision and God's mission in your life with what you do have. See, Moses had a staff because he was simply doing his job as a shepherd. That's what he was doing. He was a shepherd, so he had a staff, right? He wasn't military. He didn't have chariots. He didn't have horses. He didn't have swords. He didn't have a shield. All he had was a shepherd's staff, right? And so that's what he took to face Pharaoh. He took what he already had. I think sometimes we feel that we can't be used by God, you know, because I didn't go to seminary or I, I don't have a degree or I haven't been educated in this or I don't have experience in this. But you have to ask yourself, what do you have? Like, what is in your hand? When I first started volunteering in, in ministry, so again, as a brand new Christian, I started volunteering and what I started to do was... Um, just for context, I, I worked in computers and I used to develop websites and I used to do that as a hobby. So I used to like on the weekend and evenings, I would develop websites. I'd make like Star Wars role playing game websites and comic book collecting websites and all this geek and nerdy stuff that I was into back then that I'm still into now. <laughs> um, right. And I would make all these websites 
you know, and then I found out that as the Internet was becoming was new and, and more and more, you know, people were being exposed to the Internet and getting access to the Internet at home. Yeah, OK, I'm dating myself. That's how old I am. The Internet in your home was new <laughs> when I was doing this. Right. And churches and ministries needed to have websites, needed to have this information so that they could reach more people for Christ. But no one had any clue how to do this. And so I was like a trained professional in this. What did I have in my hand? I had a computer and I had the software to develop websites. That's all I had. And so that's what I did. And I used the gifts, the skills, the talents that I already had to start being a blessing in the church. See, you don't need to be trained on something else. You don't need to learn a new skill. You don't need to do something crazy. It's what do you have in your hand? Like I, I talk about this all the time when people are trying to find an area of the church to volunteer in, right? And one of the things that I hear repeatedly from Christians is, well, I don't want to do uh, something at the church that I do in my job. And And... And I'm going to poke just for a moment on that statement, because what you tell me when you say that, so let's say you're an accountant, I'm just picking something randomly, you're an accountant, and the church, you know, we need people who handle accounting, we need to make sure our books are up to date, we need to make sure we're above reproach on all these things, and we're looking for people to help in that area, as an example. And someone goes, well, no, I don't want to do that, um, because that's what I do for work, I don't want to do it for the church. What I hear is, well, I'll use that God-given talent and ability and, you know, thing that God blessed me with for money, but I won't use it for the building up of the kingdom of God. <laughs> I told you I was going to poke just for a moment. But that's what I hear. It's like you're willing to do it for hours and hours and hours and hours on end for cash that you get. But instead, but you're not willing to use it for the building up of the kingdom of God. That's how God works. God, like, why would we train someone who has no knowledge of accounting to be the church's accountant? That'd be silly, <laughs> right? What do you have already, right? Are you good at repairing things? Well, you can come alongside and help single moms or widows deal with this stuff, right? Are you good with money? You be, you know, are you good with numbers? You be part on the on the the, the counting and the financial ministry. Are you good with kids? You can be part of Kid Zone. Are you good? Do you love to cook? You can bring meals to people. You know, do you like to shop? Well, you can pick up stuff for people. Do you like to write? Have you been through difficult things in your life? You could be a mentor. Are you friendly and like people? You know, you can be a greeter. Are, are you good with social media and technology? You can be a volunteer at Greenbelt Online. Like, just start with what you have. Start with what you have, Right? As we seek God in 2021, it starts, it, you know, we start where you are, we use what we have, and then finally, do what you can. Just do what you can. The story continues in Exodus chapter 4. Moses said to the Lord, in verse 10 says, uh, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. So people believe that Moses had some kind of speech impediment, you know, maybe a stutter or something like that, a learning disability. We're not too sure what this was, but Moses was concerned of going before the rich, the famous, the powerful, that he would look very inadequate. 
because of his speech impediment here. And then the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. (laughs) See, for me, this is an incredible reminder that, that Moses, again, didn't start out as this incredible leader to be admired. He's not the cream of the crop. He's not like Ivy League school training. He, he's not the guy with all the doctorate degrees and the PhDs. He's just a humble shepherd with a speech impediment. That's who he is. And he doesn't have anything that the world would say is important to do important work. But because God is with him, he realizes what he has. God tells him to just go do what you can. God says, I will help you speak and I'll teach you what to say. You see, it's, it's a spiritual journey that we go on. When we say yes to God and we start using our abilities, we start using our gifts, we start using what we have to be a blessing to other people, God will help us. God will teach you what to do. That's the way it works. It's the way it worked in Danielle and I in our ministry. Again, I remember about 15 years ago, um, we were attending our church in Montreal, and uh, the church leaders approached us, and they said, we just love what God's doing in your life. We see how you guys are growing in your faith. We want you to kind of come on board as volunteers and oversee all of our adult ministries. <laughs> now, first I had to ask them, so what's adult ministry? <laughs> I, I wasn't even familiar with the term. Well, it's our men's ministry and our women's ministry and, you know, our small groups and you know, our Bible studies and our Sunday school adult classes and all that, all that umbrella, right? It was like, and we're sitting there going, that's insane. Like, we don't have any qualifications to do that. So we both wrestled with the who am I? And we were like, no, 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 we can't take this. And again, the chairman of the elders was amazing. And he was walking with us. The senior pastor was walking with us through this. I'm like, no, no, you can do this, you know, because I already see you have something. You already have some skill sets. You know, people like you. They like talking with you. We see, you know, God working in your life. And we think that's contagious. And we want to see that spread into these areas of ministry. It's just, just use what you have. And they said something to me that was so incredibly encouraging. It's, don't worry, we're going to walk with you through this. (laughs) Oh, okay, so it's not all on me. If it blows up, if it fails, well, it's not all on me. I can push the blame somewhere else. No, that's not what I mean. (laughs) But that they're going to walk with us through this. They're going to meet with us. They're going to mentor us. They're going to kind of guide us through this. We're going to learn as we go. I don't know if it's a North American Western mindset, but we seem to feel like we need to be the expert in something before we attempt it. (laughs) Have you wrestled with that before? I I know last year when I made some New Year's resolutions, one of them was to learn how to play guitar. And... um, it was so discouraging trying to learn how to play guitar at 49 years old. My, my fingers don't bend the right way. I can't reach the chords. The, the metal strings were cutting into my fingers. And after about a month and a half, I, I gave up. I was paying like for this app. I was paying eight bucks a week for an app. I canceled that because I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't do this because I wasn't an expert fast enough. There's something about us that we just feel like, well, I can't do this because I'm not an expert, 
right? And and that's not how ministry works. That's not how God works. It's God says, don't worry. I will help. I will help you to speak. I will teach you what to say. When God is with you, he guides us through this. He leads us in all of this. I think sometimes we feel like, you know, well, I can't be used by God unless it's this big, huge, giant thing, right? I want to be, I want to see this great thing happen, but I'm not ready for it yet. Right? Well, how do you get ready for the big, huge, giant thing? Well, it starts with the little thing. It starts with the little steps of faithfulness each and every day. You know, there's this famous story that you probably have heard of before about this young boy on a beach. And there's all these starfish on the beach that kind of were washed ashore when the tide kind of came in and then went out. And this little boy, one at a time, just picking up these starfish and he's throwing them back into the ocean. And this rich man shows up, you know, and he sees this little boy doing this. And he comes up to him and he says, little boy, what are you, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I'm putting the starfish back in the ocean before they die. He goes, look at, look at the beach. There's thousands of these things that you can't save them. The work you're doing doesn't matter. See, because the, it looks so overwhelming. The state of the world going into 2021 looks so overwhelming. The, the state of everything, the hurt, the, the pain, everything that people are going through, it looks so overwhelming. It can, we could easily take a posture of it doesn't matter. But that little boy picks up a starfish, throws it in the ocean. He says it mattered to that one. Start, start, do what you can. And God will be with you as you do that. There's a very famous uh, Mother Teresa quote where she said, if, if you can't feed a hundred people, just feed one. If you can't feed a hundred people, just feed one. And that one becomes one, becomes one. You see, God has great plans for your life. God has great plans for his church. See, in a season where I talk to so many people and they say, oh, you know, the church is closed. The church is closed. I look at them going, the church isn't closed. Like, if the church was closed, we wouldn't see 72 people coming to accept Jesus. If the church was closed, we wouldn't have 150 people, adults, going into life groups. If the church was closed, we wouldn't have the highest attendance we've ever had in our youth ministry. The church isn't closed. <laughs> it's just doing things a little bit differently because God is still God. That God is still with his church. God still has plans for the church. And the reality is, is the church is not just 20% of the people who attend it. It's all of us. All of us have a role to play. All of us have a way to contribute to what God wants to do in you and through you in 2021. I firmly, firmly believe God wants to do even more this year than he did last year. I firmly believe that. It keeps me up at night thinking about that and praying about that. And I believe that God wants to use every single person who calls Greenbelt their church. God wants to use you to be a blessing to our community, to your family, to your friends, to our world that desperately needs to know the love of God. And so for all of us this year, we can go on this journey together not worried about what we can't do, but let's trust who God is, that God is with us. Let's use what we have already for God's glory, and let's do what we can. Everyone doing a small little part so that it makes a huge difference. 
Now, maybe some of you, you might be watching this, you know, today and you go, well, this is all fine and dandy, but um, I don't believe like you believe. <laughs> I, I don't um, you believe in God the same way that you believe in God. And I actually think that's totally okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really do. I, I have people uh, for years have been you know close to me and a part of our church family who, who don't believe in God the way I believe in God. They don't believe in Jesus. They haven't given their lives to Jesus. But the, the beauty of the Christian message is it's not when you believe like I believe, then you can belong. <laughs> That's not the good news of Jesus. Jesus came into the world. Jesus died for sinners. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to find people who are far from God. And he tells them that you belong, that you are welcome here. And we pray that you would go on a journey. You, you can help out. You can be engaged. You can be part of the work. And as you do that, as you learn more, as you grow more, our hope and our desire is that, yeah, then one day it'll change how you believe. It'll bring you to that point when you witness it again and again and again of God working. It'll change your heart to put your trust in Jesus. And maybe some of you, that's what you've been doing already for years and years. And today's the day. Today, like, oh, my goodness, like, I'm in. I want this more and more. I want to see this blessing continue all throughout the world, and I want to be a part of it. And if that's you today, you can pray just a simple prayer right where you are and just say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Today, I welcome you into my life. Come into me and make me new. God, I pray that you would use the gifts that you've given me. I pray that you would reveal little things to me that I can begin to do for your glory. And God, I pray that I would never doubt <laughs> that, you would, that you are not with me. Because it's ultimately not about me, but all about you and your power at work in my life.